That's a terrible call. That is a terrible call. And we're back with another Celtics pod. Today we're doing a mailbag. We put a tweet out and then we've got an article put out as well. So we're going to go through anything that you left in the comments, on Twitter or on the article. As usual, I'm joined with Brendan, back from his globetrotting trip down to Los Angeles. Yeah, way too much Lakers crap around me. I wasn't feeling it, but I'm glad to be back here. I mean, you had a journey, dude. I did. Uh, not planning well enough during Thanksgiving travel was not the best idea. A 10-hour bus ride, I'm uh, still feeling my back and neck a little bit. It happens, it happens, man. It's good to have you back, though. We had Cody on earlier in the week. That was cool. I heard. Cody's our guy. Cody That's is our guy. But like you said, we got a, we got a Q&A going on today. And uh, a lot of people have the same type of question, but we'll get into it. And uh, when we do these in the future, we'll put out the um, article and tweets looking for questions a little bit further in advance. But we got enough to, to go off of something right now. You want to just hop in and start with the first one? For sure, dude. So the first one we've got is from A. Dun, 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 dun. Luckiest guy in the world. I'm going to read out the full question. It's kind of multiple questions in one, so we'll break it down in segments. So he's asked, does Carson Edwards need time in the G League? Does Poirier have a future with the Celtics? And when will we see Trey Waters more? Also, is there any chance that Tremont Waters' contract gets converted and Poirier gets cut? So let's start with the first bit. Brendan, do you think that Carson Edwards needs more time in the G League? I do not think that it would hurt but at the same time, the Celtics' depth has kind of needed him recently with Gordon being out. Um, at times, there are moments where he is needed to step in and kind of play that two-guard spot or the one, whatever he is, when he's next to Wanamaker there. Um, so I do think that it would be good for Carson to get some run in the G League. It would do a lot for his confidence, and that's a guy that clearly – needs that um being such a streaky shooter um and you know over the last six games he got a dnp in in uh, los angeles but yeah only nine and a half minutes in those games he's shooting 30 percent from three he definitely he could use that little confidence boost i just think the celtics need to be a little bit more healthy and they're keeping him around as um, you know, Brad, the depth of this Celtics team is is definitely a question, and they need some production from these guys, and Brad tries different guys every night, so Carson's going to get his opportunities right now with the Celtics being a little bit banged up, especially with Marcus Smart being questionable. So the first thing I want to say is I said, does he need more, more time in the G League? I meant, does he need time in the G League? Uh, Stumbled over my words. It was playing in my mind all that way through. Silly, silly me. I feel like part of me wants to say, yeah, he, he could do a, a bit of time down there, like you say, just to build his confidence. But he's growing as a player for the Celtics as well. To start the year, he was just jacking up shots whenever he got a clear line of sight to the hoop. Over the last two, three games, we've seen him start driving the lane more instead of just trying to spot up and score that way. He does bring something off the bench 
at the moment, it's pretty much null and void. He's just bringing empty shots. When he's on, though, that spark coming off in firepower is going to be really, really useful. As you alluded to, having him run, run, run off site. As you alluded to, having him run alongside Brad Wanamaker is going to be helpful as well. Wanamaker always makes the right plays, a willing passer. If we can see him start to figure out how to finish on the drive and cut, and then start to extend his range back out to where he's comfortable at the three-point line, he may be useful right now for the Celtic. I do understand that we see someone like Tremont Waters come in and play his first game, and he contributes quite solidly across the board, but it's different strokes, different folks. I feel like he's actually more equipped at the moment to an NBA-level game than Tremont is. However, I do want to see him blow it up down in Maine for a few games. It's always good to see them put up big numbers. For sure. I, I, I think that at some point he'll get a little bit of a run down there. I would like for that to happen for him. I just don't think right now is quite the time to do it. Um, second question as part of this lucky from luckiest guy in the world, which I feel like his like wife made that account for him. Um, does Poirier have a future with the Celtics? He's played a total of 31 minutes this year, Adam. At the moment, I mean, I spoke to Cody about this on the last episode. Part of me feels like he's following a similar trajectory to Brad Wanamaker, where he isn't going to see the floor much this year, just while he gets used to the system, gets used to the travel, used to his teammates, what's expected of him. And then maybe next year we see him start to get actual meaningful minutes. I don't expect him to really be around longer than his current contract unless he really really starts to earn those rotational minutes and we don't know what's going on behind closed doors in practices and stuff but if you're if you're an end of the bench big and you're not playing at all especially if he doesn't play this year and then we don't see much from him to start next year I can't see him uh, extending his stay in Boston. And I don't think he'd want to either. Nobody wants to ride the bench that far down on the bench. Right. Right now, he's really the fifth center on this team, probably. You know, Tice, Cantor, uh, Time Lord, and then Grant as well is getting run at center over him. I think what what you kind of mentioned of him potentially getting some run uh, further down the line, you know, Cantor has a second-year player option. I could see him maybe uh, turning that down and thinking he could get a little bit more in a week in a week uh, free agent class and get some more playing opportunity elsewhere. Um, Daniel Tice has second year non-guarantee. Celtics are, I'm pretty confident that they are just going to keep Tice on the roster. And then obviously Grant and Rob will be around for a while, but you do need insurance policy, you know, and I liked what I saw from, um, from Poirier at the beginning of the year and preseason. So there's some hope. And uh, I've honestly been surprised that Brad hasn't given him run outside of just complete garbage time minutes. Um, so I would, I was hoping that he would get opportunities. Brad gives guys a lot of opportunities, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case right now. I, a future with the Celtics to answer the question, not I don't think he's part of the future plans. I think he could remain on the roster after two years, but if I had to guess one way or the other, I would say he's gone after this two-year contract. So the final thing I want to put in there, and I'm sure I've told you about this before, 
just before the start of the season, Brad was in an interview. I can't remember who tweeted this out, but it was somebody like John Corrales or Keith Smith or somebody of that nature. And Brad, Brad Stevens actually went on record saying that currently Vincent Poirier is the one that's furthest behind in terms of what they're trying to achieve and how they're trying to play as a team. And part of me feels like that's been, that's his biggest stumbling block. He's in a new country, new language, a completely different level of competition. And he's having to learn all the sets and he's having to learn how to move his body differently because it's not as physical in the NBA. Maybe a lot of this is just Brad getting him acclimatized behind the scenes before kind before letting him start to get a run out in the real when minutes actually matter. Yeah, I could see that. Um, there's definitely a transition between the international game and the NBA game. So uh, I could see that happening. And um, another question that is also from part of this part of the same group from luckiest guy in the world is will we see when will we see Tremont Waters more? Um, I am a big fan of Tremont Waters and what we've seen from him. They only have 45 days that he can play for the NBA team with him being on a two-way contract. I'm, I believe he's only used one of those. Um, maybe he used two because there was a day before he was called the day before, so it burnt two. Okay. Right. And, um, you know, maybe there's a chance with Marcus being questionable that Tremont is bring, brought back to the roster. But it seems like right now um, Brad is very happy with Brad um, Stevens, that is, is very happy with Brad Wanamaker. Um, understandably so. He's been very consistent in that backup point guard role. There's Marcus Smart and, of course, Gordon Hayward, Kemba Walker, great playmakers as well. So as much as I like what I've seen from Tremont, I think he has a future with this team. But this year, I don't know how much more we're going to see him. But if you want to tune into Maine, he has been killing it. Uh, He was the November player of the month. And just to spit out his November stats in 30 minutes a night over six games, 22 points, seven and a half assists, Three rebounds, a steal, and a 1.7 steals is great for a guy his size. He's a little turnover prone. Three and a half a game is more than you'd like to see. But some great shooting splits, too. Uh, 48% from the field, practically 43 from three, and 89 from the free throw line. That's pretty close to a 50 40 90. It is. It's really close to a 50-40. And the thing is as well, it's not like he's struggling to get his shots off. If you look at it, he's made, like you said, 45% from the field. He's shooting 40% from free for the year. His steals are a little bit higher than just November when when you're looking at the overall. He's stealing 1.9 times a game, 8 assists a game. He's a complete pest. On both sides of the ball, playing against him must be an absolute mind-numbing experience just to avoid the swear word there it's going to be um it's going to be tough to envision him not getting minutes either this year or to start next year he's definitely the insurance policy at the guard position this year uh as i said earlier when you when you're on a two-way and you're called up regardless of if you play or not your days are being burnt so if you've got 45 days and you spend seven days with the team but you don't play it doesn't matter you still lose those seven days of eligibility 
I don't know whether there's going to be times where he's most likely called up but doesn't play, but he'll be training alongside the, the main roster. He'll get more used to being around his teammates when he's up in Boston. This is one of the players, because two-way contracts run year on year, so this is a guy that's a genuine candidate to get moved up to a full-scale contract next year if he continues to play like this. Right. I, I really think that he could take the Wanamaker spot going into next year, but minutes are going to be really spotty for him this season. And uh, the last question is, any chance that his Tremont uh, contract gets converted and Poirier gets cut? I mean, we spoke about this just before we came on air. If you cut Poirier, as far as I'm aware, his contract at some level is going to count against the Boston Celtics cap room for for over the two years. We don't, as a fan or as a franchise, you don't really want that because it's dead money, especially for a team that's so cash-strapped like the Celtics. It's more likely they try and package him and move him that way than actually just cut him which is part of the reason why I was so against cutting Shemi earlier in the year, no matter how bad he played as well. You And Danny Ainge never want to get rid of someone for nothing unless he ha- absolutely has to. Right. I uh, don't see that happening. I understand the logic behind it, aside from it taking a, uh, a negative cap hit on the Celtics. It's not a big deal to hold on to Poirier as that insurance option taking up about two and a half million in cap space this year. And next, um, the next question that we got here is from shake 603. And these first ones are from the SB nation post. And this one was directed at me since I cover the Kings as well. I was wondering what's going on in Sacramento with Harry Giles. I know that uh, it says, I know that pre-draft he had some fans here and there might be some intrigue on kicking the tires in free agency for cheap. Well, Sacramento just turned down Harry Giles' fourth-year player option, which was very unexpected. Uh, Kings fans are not a fan. There are plenty of people that are ginormous Harry Giles fans as a player and a person. Um, He definitely is a great person to be around. You hear nothing but great things about his personality. My co-host on the King's Pulse podcast actually ended up wearing a Harry Giles jersey on his wedding day. It was part of a tweet that went viral, but just speaks to how much people really love Harry Giles. But this season, he's gotten hidden behind Dwayne Dedman and Rashawn Holmes. This this year, Harry Giles has only played 52 minutes, and apparently the front office was not very happy with him in in the shape that he showed up in the training camp in that they expected him to be in better shape. He missed a good amount of time this year as well because of some lingering. It seemed like lingering knee issues. Obviously, he had those uh, two different ACL tears, one in high school um, and one right before college had happened. So he's got some injury questions to him, but the Sacramento Kings can only offer him $4 million next year. He's an interesting guy to potentially... um, try out so I wouldn't hate the Celtics attempting this because Harry Giles I think his most attractive uh, skill is his passing on the offensive end he is just absurd in that way with uh, making nice passes to backdoor cuts 
and different things like that, playing through him with the ball on the elbow. But the defense definitely needs some work. He doesn't shoot threes, even though the stroke looks promising, like he might be able to. He's interesting, but it is definitely a... There's high upside, but very low chance that he reaches that upside. Um, A lot of the mouthpieces for the Kings are saying that Sacramento turning down the option does not mean that Harry Giles will not be on the team next year. But like I said, they can only offer him a tad under $4 million. And it wouldn't surprise me if more so some lower team decided to to try him out a little bit there. Maybe like a team like Memphis or say Phoenix wanted to give him a run, a team that's very young and... I wouldn't hate Boston going for it, but I also think that they're going to have a good amount of centers next year, and I don't know how much opportunity there would be for Giles. So do you think think he'd actually add something to the team that's missing already? Because that's always a key factor for me whenever we start talking about potential free agency pickups or trade targets. He definitely would be a different center for this team. Pretty much every time that you're bringing in a different one of these centers on the roster now, you're getting a different style of play, and Harry Giles would just be another bit of variety. Like I said, the way that you want to use him is run the offense through him, actually, and we kind of saw that a bit with Al Horford. Um, Not to compare him to that level of player, but obviously the passing is there. Um, So I do think it's different, but... Hmm. The Celtics have a lot of guys at the top, since they are pretty top-heavy, that need the ball in their hands, and I don't know if I quite see the fit with Giles because of that. Okay, so moving on, we've got the next question from X 33 Kind of like that name, it's quite a cool name. We are playing well, the chemistry seems great, but we all know that our big man rotation is marginal. Would Marvin Bagley be a good fit? If so, what would it take to get him? Would you give up JT to get him? How about the Memphis pick? I'm going to go on record straight away and say no to JT. To get him. <laughs> hot take. Hot take. <laughs> Brendan, you've watched Marvin Bagley more than pretty much me, or I'm assuming the majority of listeners have. So why don't you take the reins on this one? Do you think he'll be a good fit? Um... Bagley's interesting. He's this tweener that really like tweener used to be between a three and a four, but now it's between four and five in the modern NBA. And Vlade Divac seems to push that uh, Marvin Bagley could even play a three, which doesn't really happen. But Sacramento's not going to move on from him. I mean, they picked him over Luka Doncic, and there's no way that they could abandon that. Uh, Bagley has some nice, you know, 2010 potential. He doesn't quite have the rim protection that, that I think Celtics would hope for out of a five. So I don't see his ceiling being higher than Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is going to be great on both ends of the ball. Bagley could have some long-term questions in regard to his rim protection uh, as being a five and also his lateral quickness in order to stay in front of fours. That's really where the tweener becomes an issue. So... I'm definitely not giving up Jason Tatum for Marvin Bagley and the Sacramento Kings are not going to move on from Marvin Bagley because it's a terrible look to pass on Doncic and then give up on the guy that you passed on Doncic to take. 
even if they've got their eye on someone in the 2021 draft in that Memphis pick, assuming it doesn't convey this year, that is. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, they, they picked Bagley because they think he's the future guy next to De'Aaron. And, and to be fair, I think Bagley has, as much as De'Aaron is the guy on the team, De'Aaron Fox, I think Bagley has a higher ceiling, um, but more likely, I don't know how likely it is that he fully reaches that ceiling. I, I think that he'll, he will be an all-star a couple times throughout his career, but a number one option the way that a lot of Celtics fans are rightfully hoping Jason Tatum can eventually be, I don't see that as a likely possibility for Marvin Bagley. So we're going with, no, we're not going to give up JT, and no, the Sacramento Kings aren't going to be willing to part with Bagley. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'd add to that is, there's very, very, very few players that I'd personally be willing to enter into trade talks for Jason Tatum. And Brendan, you were with me all through the AD trade saga last year. You know straight down well how much I was completely against putting Jason Tatum any discussion for a rental. Right. I mean, okay, if you're getting Giannis, AD long-term. Long-term's different. Right. Luka Doncic, those, those guys... Sure, but it's just not happening. I damn near had a meltdown like five times last over this. Do you remember? Right. It was like an aneurysm. It was bad. Yeah. And, you know, this stuff kind of goes into at least like talking about Bagley, a young guy um, that a lot of people want to target, not Bagley specifically, but a lot of people, and, uh, and just to kind of uh, release it a little bit. A lot of these questions are trade related and we're really going to be diving into that since people have a lot of questions about that. A lot of people obviously want some long-term young center option to fit with the core of this team, but the trading for for Boston is difficult in regards to salaries and the assets that they have. We'll dive into that a little bit deeper and explain that but it, it goes into the next question here from celtics 21 this was also from sb nation um he asked about interesting trades with chicago or orlando and just to kind of throw out some of the trades that he mentioned uh poirier and the memphis pick for laurie markinen poirier and Lankford and the memphis pick for wendell carter jr poirier ogile memphis pick for bomba poirier Lankford boston pick for bomba I just don't, again, I don't see why the opposing team would do this. Like, Laurie Markkinen has had a very rough year, and that is unexpected. A lot of people had him as, like, a most improved candidate. I believe he dropped 35 and about 17 in game one and then just has not been able to shoot the ball. But I don't think, I, I think they're more likely to move on from Jim Boylan before they move on from some of their promising young players. I like the Wendell Carter idea. Um, throwing Romeo Langford and the Memphis pick in there could be enticing, but mm, I, I don't know. What do you think about that one? I mean, they're in, a, they're in a constant state of rebuild at the moment. Personally, I think Wendell Carter Jr. is one of the better options to actually try and make a play for if we're looking at that sort of trade. I like his game. I feel like he could fit in well with the team. He's young. He's athletic. Romeo Langford and the Memphis pick is quite a high price. Uh, I said this before, I'll say it again. When it comes to picks, the dream is always more expensive than the reality. So what I mean by that is 
when it's an actual pick, it holds way more value than when it's used on a player and it becomes a physical entity. So if they, if Boston were going to do this now, then the Memphis pick has that enough value behind it, enough weight that that plus Romeo Langford and a center like Vincent Poirier, that's kind of an untested commodity would probably be enticing, but it depends how highly they value Wendell Carter. I'd really like that trade to happen. Uh, Romeo Langford, I think he's got a really solid future ahead of him if he can get past these injuries that have plagued him over the first few weeks of the season. I'm not going to read too much into that. He's just been unfortunate. I'm I'm completely down for that, personally. I like that trade. Whether or not Chicago likes that trade is a completely different flip of the coin. I don't <laughs> see them probably biting on that. Right, and like you kind of mentioned, the picks losing value when when they do become officially become players. Also, the teams that drafted those players obviously value those guys more, and I just don't see the Celtics or the Bulls moving on from their young guys that quickly. I think the Celtics have a lot of faith in Langford, and the Bulls have a lot of faith in Carter, both for those players' abilities and their fit for the team. So as much as I, I do like the Carter, Wendell Carter Jr. fit for the Celtics, he reminds me of Al Horford a lot, even though he hasn't been shooting the ball uh, really at all in Chicago. I just don't see it as the most likely. Uh, I think a lot of the... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, my counterpoint to that argument in terms of the Celtics probably do really like Romeo Langford and they do have a high hopes for him. But his path to the first team, his path to a starting spot on this roster is blocked by Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, blah, blah, blah. Wendell Carter's junior path to a starting position, if this trade was made, would be quite clear. So in the aspect of there's a logjam for us at the forward position and the centre position in, in, in those respects, it actually makes more sense for Boston to want to pull the trigger on this than it does for the ball. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Celtics definitely need that that centerpiece, that center moving forward. Um, but if you also, you know, like you said, you kind of look at the other side. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. has a much easier path to the first team where he's already starting for the Chicago Bulls than Langford does behind Zach Levine, who's the player they're committed to, Otto Porter, Chris Dunn, uh, so I think what stops it here is is the Chicago side of it. And it could be a little bit too pricey for the Celtics too. We know like they like to Danny Ainge likes to try and get himself some some deals. Yeah, again, it all depends on one, if they think the pick's gonna convey this year or if they're they're confident it's gonna become it's unprotected next year, right? Right, one to six this year and then unprotected next. So it depends on Chicago's confidence that this pick's not going to convey this year and it's going to become unprotected next year. Then it depends on their confidence of Memphis being a lottery team next year. And then it becomes, do they have their eye on somebody that they wouldn't be able to draft without pulling the trigger on this trade? If if all three of those check boxes are ticked, and they like the look of Romeo Langford and feel like they could bring him along and find a spot for him eventually in that roster. It actually becomes quite enticing for them. Again, do they want to part ways with Wendell Carter Jr. so soon? That's probably a no. But I do feel like this is much more enticing for 
Boston than it actually is for Chicago. Yeah, it, it definitely is interesting, though. I, I, I like the way that this one was pitched. Um, uh, I'll contact some of my Bulls covers that I talked to as well and kind of see what they think and get back to you on the next episode for that one because it's one of the more realistic ones. And um, the next couple that he threw in here with Orlando, Vincent Poirier, Shemi Ojale, and the Memphis pick for Mo Bamba, as well as Vincent Poirier, Romeo Lankford, and the Boston pick for Mo Bamba. I just don't think that Mo Bamba has shown enough to take an asset like the Memphis pick or Romeo Lankford. I know that he had a lot of promise and he is a very raw prospect, but he's been bad on the offensive end this year. And it's not that that's where you expect him to have an impact, but being so frail and not being able to finish around the rim with that crazy size that he has, and not getting to the free throw line, the three-point shot hasn't been shown off in quite the way that you'd want it to. I just don't see him as being a promising enough long-term option to take some of those assets from Boston. He's on the drums? All right, I dropped something. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that Sounds like a good drum beat starting. My bumper for me, uh, I said this earlier again. Guys, we're going to start recording now conversations about the Celtics before we come on air because most of the good content's there or we're just going to stop talking about the Celtics when we're not on air which again was discussed off air I feel like he's a Nerlens Noel light if I was, if we were going to be chasing Mo Bamba I'd much rather be chasing Nerlens Noel Bamba's got probably the higher ceiling his potential's there I just don't think he fits well with this team at the moment, he's another project big why trade for a project big when we've already got one in Robert Williams? Why give up a Memphis pick or our own pick and then Langford or Ogilvy again for a project when we're already seeing the fruits of the project we've got in Time Lord? It's this one for me personally is a non starter. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that Time Lord, it would mean giving up on Time Lord and focusing on Bamba. If if you were to trade for him, you gotta you gotta commit to that. And I want to retract my my mentions about his shooting. I didn't realize he's shooting thirty six percent from three this year, which is which is promising. You know that's something on the offensive end, but still not even on two attempts a game. And um, I don't feel like his defensive impact has quite been what you would expect it to. I think that's a really good comparison to bring up Time Lord. And I think that both teams would are probably just going to write it out with those two guys. Bamba just has not been good enough to warrant a trade in my mind. Yeah, from Celtic's perspective, right? Right. Because he's been poor enough to warrant a trade from Magic. Right. If I mean, shoot, if they could get a... Mm, it's interesting because I think it's another thing where it's a bad look on the front office to give up on a guy in only their second year, especially when he's a project big like Mobamba clearly is. Yeah, I agree. I feel like this one's for me, it makes no sense for either side. If I was Boston, I would pass on this every time. There wouldn't be a single... You could offer it me a hundred times, I'd turn it down a hundred times. Right. I, I was really enamored with with Bamba coming into the draft. but uh, like the hip-hop tune, right? What do you mean? Oh, right, right. See, I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, and um, 
he just has not shown even like the flashes that you would really hope from him. But um, yeah, the last question we got here, and this one's from Twitter. Yeah, this guy's commenting on your stuff a lot. You know how to pronounce his name? Matt Curran. Curran. I feel like we should go to break now because this is where we're really going to start jumping into all of these trade scenarios, the different packages that we could have, the different assets we have, and potential trade targets. Let's do it. We'll be back. So yeah, let's jump back into this question from Matt Curran from Twitter. He's been following the podcast that Brendan and I did before this one and the one before that one. So he's a long time listener. It's always good when listeners interact. Please interact. We enjoy it very much. Twitter, email, whatever you want it to be. Anyway, enough begging. So he's asking, who should the Celtics target in the trade market to solidify their front court? So Brendan, let's dive into some potential trades. Let's look. Let's start by looking at the salary of guys on our roster that we feel are tradable assets. Go ahead, go for it, man. Right. So it's interesting because their their cap in regards to each individual player is very top heavy. You know, there's there's the big ballers as I put them in this in Hayward and Walker, the two max contracts that are both. 32 million, 32.7 million. Neither of those guys are going to get moved. Um, Gordon, it's just, it's a bad look. Gordon might be the best player on the Celtics at the beginning of this year. Kemba was just signed to a long-term contract. Uh, Safe to say both those guys don't get moved, right? Yep, safe to say neither of them get moved. Let's just point out as well, I want to get this pointed out as early as possible when we're discussing possible trades. Not to forget about the fact the team's hard-capped. That's important. I feel like that's um, what's the word I'm looking for, Brendan? It's a caveat that's sometimes overlooked. Due to the, tr- the sign and trade for Kemba, the team is hard capped. It can't go over that cap with pretty much no exceptions. There are a few loopholes, but generally that's going to be a big restriction on any of these trade talks. We're going to kind of ignore that a little bit because we've been quite prudent with the trade scenarios we've came up with but i did just want to throw that out there yeah so hayward walker won't be moving on it was definitely good to mention that obviously and then the next guy that is the perfect trade salary is marcus smart but i mean he he's the leader of this team dude you can't do that i'm not moving smart for nobody Literally nobody. I don't care who it is. And you can ridicule me. You can hate on me. I know some people are really high on him. Others are actually quite low. I'm quite surprised by how many people aren't as big of fans of Marcus Smart as what I thought they would be. But yeah, he's the leader of this team emotionally and out on the floor as well. He leads by example. Personally, his contract is the most tradable. There's no denying it. I just, sure. I think it's. You're taking a step backwards unless you're getting a perennial, well, a legitimate superstar. Right. For years to come, it, it's not going to happen is, is really what it is. And then Jason Tatum is going to get his extension after this year. He's the centerpiece moving forward. He's not going anywhere. Um, Jalen Brown can't be traded this year because his extension kicks in next year. It makes that trade scenario very complicated. 
but that that extension that he just signed in the offseason kicks in next year. So then you move to this entire filler range where guys could get moved on from. You know, you got Ennis Cantor at about five million. There's Daniel Tice in that same range. Langford, which was mentioned earlier in some of the Q and A portion, at three and a half million. Poirier, two and a half. Um, Carson could be enticing at one point two. Shemi, I think, is an interesting one at one point six. So it's kind of all within this one to three million range, and then Tyson Cantor both sitting at about five. Those are the guys that would potentially move. Yeah, those are the guys that are going to be most likely paired together, depending on who we're going for, maybe one or two of them. And then we've got the draft assets as well, which we own. So we've got our own draft pick for 2020 in the first round. Then we have Memphis's pick, which we've already spoke about, protected 1-6 to six this year, then unprotected next. We've got the Bucks pick this year, first round, protected 1-7. to seven. Most likely that's the last pick in the first round. We've got the worst of Brooklyn's and New York's pick in the second round. Atlanta's 2020 second round pick, 1-55 to 55 protected. That's not going anywhere. And then we've got our own first and seconds from 2021 straight through to 2026. Right. So that, when, real quick, on that Atlanta 2022nd, that was given back to the Celtics as part of the Jabari Bird salary dump. Um, and it's, yeah, like you said, it's one to 55 protected. And Atlanta is not a top five record. Uh, what you meant by like not happening is that the Celtics are not getting that pick. It, it technically is there, but the Celtics aren't getting it. Yeah, it's not conveying, it's right. not going anywhere. And Atlanta. In fact, to be honest with you, I've been enjoying watching Atlanta this year, but I digress. Trey Young, man. Yeah, dude. But this is what's going to, this is the most likely scenario. You're going to have one of those draft, draft assets and then one or two of the filler players, such as Cantor and Poirier or Cantor and Semi. Personally, I feel like you will be, it is possible we see two centers packaged together along with a draft pick just to try and free up that log jam. But it all depends on who's coming back the opposite way. Right. I think that the Celtics 21 in the SB Nation question had some decent package ideas, like a Poirier, Shemi in the Memphis pick, or Poirier, Lankford, and and some sort of pick. Um, I, I dug into some of the win-now trades that were happening last year around the deadline. And, for example, there's one that I thought was pretty fitting is like the Lakers trading for Reggie Bullock. I I think that that's the level of player that the Celtics would kind of target, some expiring center here. And uh, the Lakers gave up Sfi Mikhailuk and a 2021 second. There's also, you know, Rodney Hood getting picked up by Portland. I know you're a big Rodney Hood guy. and that, I know. And that was for uh, Wade Baldwin, Nick Stauskas, which were literally just salary fillers, didn't stay on the team. And then two second round picks. Um, Kyle Korver went to Utah from Cleveland. That was for Alec Burks, who did not. Um, yeah, that's, that's just a nice little young player. He actually was not very young. I keep thinking Alec Burks is young every time I see him. And then remember, he's been like nine, ten years in the league, which is insane. But Alec Burks and two second-round picks. Um, 
a little bit of a better player or a much better player probably. Miritich went to Milwaukee for four second round picks and Thon Maker. So really a lot of these are revolving around some second round picks and this is probably the range of people, of players that the Celtics would be looking to target in a win now trade um, because that's more than likely what it's going to need to be. I don't think that you're trading right now for a long-term option at the center. I, I think that if you were to make a center trade, it would be a win now going all in on this year. Yeah. And then if we're going in on a all in win now for this year for the center, I mean, Stephen Adams' name has been thrown around. So is Miles Turner, Clint Capella. Those guys are all very high earners. So it's going to be, a well, for someone like Stephen Adams or Miles Turner, it's going to be a guy like Hayward, packaged with smart, plus two or three fillers, probably draft assets and players. It's just too much. You're weakening the team. Hayward has shown to be an integral part of this team if we expect to make a playoff run. If you're going after a Clint Capella or Tristan Thompson, it's going to be losing Marcus Smart plus somebody or something like a draft pick. Really, you want to be filtering down to players. And I was actually ridiculed quite harshly during the summer. And I'll take it. For I was championing for Kevin Looney. Oh my God, dude. I messaged you before this of saying I found a guy because I'm not about these trades. To me, most of these guys are not really better than Tice that are realistic. I think Tice has been great this year. Looney was the guy that I found looking through and was like, man, I would love him for the Celtics. I think I was writing for um, Hoops Habit or I was writing for somebody at some point during the the summer. And I remember messaging you like, I don't understand why nobody else sees this but Kevin Looney would be a beast on this team he would it's about like you're gonna surprise me with that is that is oh man I've ruined it for you no you're fine you're fine I'm glad that we're thinking similar here you know like Looney hasn't been the best rim protector necessarily um I don't think he's bad in that regard but he's been great switching onto small guards and we know how much the Celtics love to switch and that's what really attracts me here I think that he's become a smarter player as he's progressed. By the way, anybody that was just signed in free agency, which includes Kevon Looney, cannot be traded until December 15th, which we're only 12 days away from now. I think 11 when you're hearing this more than likely. Um, but that can't happen until December 15th. That's the, that's the day where players that ha- were signed in the offseason can officially be moved. Um, I love Looney for the idea of potential switches and a way that that would work. Looney's just making under just under 5 million. So really, if you just, you know, if, if the Warriors were interested in more young assets or not even assets in, or sorry, young, but assets only say they wanted, would I give up? The Memphis pick for Kevon Looney? No, I'm. I mean, I don't maybe, think. I don't so. I think the picks probably to, that pick is probably too much. Maybe like try and give them. I mean, Ennis Cantor. They've got Willie Cauley Stein, dude. Is that? I know. Oh God. Exactly. Offer them somebody like Ennis Cantor, along with maybe our own pick, or if we go young and offer them somebody like. Carson Edwards, 
I don't really want to do that, but it's an option along with the Milwaukee pick. It all depends what they're looking to get back. But Kevin Looney, I like the intensity he brings as well. I feel like him and Marcus Smart on the court together would be a really intense defense. Right, like maybe Poirier, Ojale, and... The Milwaukee? Yeah, and the Milwaukee... I, I also understand um, Golden State really liking Looney, and they think that they're going to be competing next year. But if them getting these extra assets means that they are able to flip some of these picks along with their own pick that's going to be very high this year for someone like, it's it's a pipe dream, but Warrior fans are hoping that Giannis is on the table. Um, then if they really are trying to make some crazy trade like that, Giannis, Cat, you know, then they would want as many draft picks as possible. So maybe a Poirier, Ojale, the Boston pick, and the Milwaukee pick? Because the Milwaukee pick is practically a second rounder, um, a very high second rounder that could be enticing. And I think Boston would be interesting, would be a little interested. Yeah, I guess that you could all, and you could also say the same thing with Wendell Carter, like we kind of mentioned at the top, you know? Yeah, I just feel like Kevin Loon is far more attainable than Wendell Carter is at the moment. Right. It really depends on how Golden State is feeling about him. If they're comfortable with running Draymond at the five, which they have plenty of reason to be, and they won't be dealing with that hard cap next year. And I think this would be reliant on them trying to go all in on one of those trades, uh, planning on trading their draft pick away with Clay and Steph being back next year and going for one of those big guys like a like I said, a Giannis or Carl Anthony Towns. So Kevon Looney was definitely the guy that interests me there. I really like the one that I had that yeah. I didn't tell you about. Let's do it. You might not like this one. Jermichael Green. Oh, I do like Jermichael Green, actually. I'm a big fan of Jermichael Green. He's probably unattainable right now because he really solidifies the Clippers bench. They're not going to be looking to break up what they've got going at the moment. I doubt picks aren't going to interest them at all. Uh, however, I feel like he'd be fantastic on this team. Again, the intensity, he can grab boards, he can shoot the ball, stretch the floor. Right. I, I want Jamal Green. Yeah, I don't blame you. But like like you kind of said, I, I think the issue comes that the Clippers are all in this year. They might be the championship favorites when they're healthy. Um, I know other people will not agree. Laker fans, Milwaukee fans won't agree, but I probably have the Clippers as the number one there. And they don't... Laker fans people. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. Um, Yeah, so that that was part of the issue there, you know, is that really when I was uh, putting names on this list that kind of had to look at teams that would want assets. Oh, no, for sure, for sure. I was just letting you know that. I love the fit. You weren't the only one with a surprise, obviously. Right. I love the fit. And then another yeah, guy think- Yeah, another guy that interests me that's, that's young, you know, is DJ Wilson on the Bucks. I, I think that he's gotten a little hidden behind uh, the Lopez brother that came in and Robin. He's a young guy with some nice potential to stretch the floor he's shown some decent rim protection last year as playing center he's 611 uh, he's pretty young so i don't see it as being 
the most likely. I think that Milwaukee is um, understandably hopeful in his upside. And they're another team that I don't know why they would really want assets when they have him to eventually take that place of Robin Lopez, be the insurance for if either of the Lopez twins go down. I guess it's a guy that interests me for Boston. I don't see Milwaukee doing it, even if we were to say give him their first back. Even then, I'd, even like the first question you got to ask yourself is, do you think someone like Ennis Cantor is better than Robin Lopez? Right. And then if the answer is yes, do you really want to go and strengthen the Bucks by giving them Ennis Cantor? Right, yeah. Um, I mean, strengthening them on offense, you're going to severely weaken them on defense, which is fantastic. You put them in a pick and roll is in a blender. But yeah, it doesn't really make sense for Milwaukee. No, it doesn't make sense for them. And if it is going to improve their roster, it definitely doesn't make sense for us. Right. Um, Dwayne Dedman? Dwayne Dedman, if you'd asked me at the start of the year, I would have said, yeah, hearing you pretty oh, much God. cry about him on the phone to me every day for the last six weeks. Uh, no dude, problem. I was so optimistic. Oh, God, I'm going to start crying. Reality, yes, I've been saying for months, months that Sacramento should get dead, man. And sure enough, and he's terrible. I spoke to Brendan a few days ago. Uh, I'm fairly sure he'd had a few alcoholic beverages. I might be incorrect. But he sounded genuinely choked up at how bad he was. He was like, he's just, he's been so bad. Yeah, and I'm just pushing for him. Every time he gets minutes, I'm like, please, please, please be good. Remember how to play basketball. It's just like, it's not that I was wrong that Deadman is actually a bad player. He's good. He just forgot how to play or something. Like, what I swear. Monsters kind yes. Of I'm like, dude, he quietly had a cameo in Space Jam 2 and got screwed by the Monstars. I don't know why they took Dwayne Dedman's talents, but they did, man. I don't know what's going on. He can't shoot from three. I'm hoping Bagley coming back helps him. But yeah, like a Dedman is interesting to me, but it's like $13 million in salary that you got to make. So I don't know if you're wanting to throw Tice and moment. Cantor. Right. It's not. Yeah, it doesn't make that much sense. And Let's play some homage to Cody. Cody Zeller? No, no, no. It's a Cody that came on the podcast. <laughs> Aaron Baines. Oh, man. I mean, I can't say I wouldn't love it. It would be so beautiful. Five and a half million is what Baines is making this year. That would be such a great win now move. But my issue here is that Phoenix is really desperate to make that eight seed. And I think that Baines has been... A huge factor in their improvement. It's been a revelation, dude. Right. It's crazy. Legitimate most improved player candidate, which is just so funny. But he's been he's been phenomenal for them. Maybe when Aiton comes back, they are comfortable with Kaminsky being the backup. Like, would would you give up the Milwaukee pick for Aaron Baines? No, just because of his age. Well, yeah, it's um, an expiring deal, right? Like you're getting one year of him. Yeah, and then you're giving up a pick that's cost-controlled assets. Yeah. I'm always, when it comes to giving up picks, you've always got to be looking at the longevity of what's coming back. If you're not in, I know it's a win-now move, but is this going to be what puts us over the top to coming out of the Eastern Conference? Is it what is it what's going to put us to the finals? If it's not, is it really worth giving up a cost-controlled asset? So mm. probably not. Part of me thinks it could be, though. 
real lifeline in the mud. Damn good. Yeah, yeah, and like the rim protection, the spacing, he's kind of everything. And he like he knows exactly how to sell it. Right, and he kind of was great against Giannis at times. And Tommy would be happy. Oh yeah, <laughs> Tommy would be in the shower way more often. <laughs> <laughs> taking a look at how he's put together right um oh god i think it could be a good deal uh yeah i just wonder if phoenix is a bit too high phoenix would probably bite on something like um one of the younger guys so romeo langford or carson edwards plus <laughs> a guy like Cantor or poirier but again you're losing a cost controlled asset right yeah it gets rough yeah it's um yeah, I wonder, I wonder if like a Poirier, Ojale, and two seconds could do it. I think that could get it done. Yeah, I really don't know because like Baines is crazy valued by Phoenix. It really depends how they are looking at the deadline. Like, are they looking like they're still fighting in that sort of six to? 10 range in the Western Conference for those final two spots. Because if they are, I don't see them like clearly giving up on the playoffs. The question you got to ask yourself is, could Poirier become the French Aaron Baines? I don't think there's going to be any other Aaron Baines ever. <laughs> the Aaron Baines fan club will agree with you 100%. Right, right. Another I think that guy would want to come back too. Another guy the Celtics have flirted with on and off since he was drafted. I'm quite a fan. I like his defensive ability. I like his length. I mentioned him earlier, Nerlens Noel. He's only on two million. Yeah, he's interesting and he's very cheap. Poor guy, definitely bet on himself not taking that big contract, I believe, from Dallas, and that hurt. Um, he's had an up and down career. I don't think. Again, I don't think he's a guy that. By trading for him, Garen puts you in a position to come out of a conference finals any different than what we would be now. That's where I struggle, and he kind of falls in this group of, is he really better than Daniel Tice? Uh, no, I think that, I mean... Tice has been year, stupid good this year. Like His defense, dude, has been just mind-blowingly good. I mean, I understand that he was a defensive player coming into the league, but to start the year, I saw him as nothing more than a floor-stretching big that was going to get minutes just because he can hit 30, 32, 33% from deep. And he's completely not shooting that at all. But his defense and the way he's running the, running the pick and roll has been fantastic. Yeah, and... Man, with him on the floor, the Celtics are opponents are only shooting 53% at the rim. It's a 94th percentile. He's been great in that regard. Keith Smith had a tweet at some point, and I'm just paraphrasing here. I don't have it in front of me that Daniel Tice kind of is what everyone is hoping to trade for. Um, this is, this is going to be the questions we get. That. Yeah, this is going to be the questions we get every time we put out a Q&A. And really my conclusion is that like without giving up smart, Minus, you know, maybe a couple exceptions like a Carter Jr., Kevon Looney, Aaron Baines, where I don't know if the opposing team that holds those guys wants to move on from them. I don't think you're getting anything better than Tice. Like a couple other names to throw out there, like Alex Len, Jordan Bell, Taj Gibson uh, makes a little bit more than what you would hope. Willie Hernan Gomez, Ed Davis. I just don't know if these guys are a difference maker that like you said puts you into that finals contender because right now 
um, the Milwaukee is the team in the East. You know, the Celtics feel like they're a little bit behind them. Maybe when Gordon comes back, that's different. But none of those guys are putting you that much above what you have with Tice. But are any of them solidifying the bench more than what we already have? That's the second question you need to ask. Does bringing any of these in improve what we have coming off the bench? Not enough for me to give up assets. Then the trade don't happen? Right. And I think that this entire show is kind of a long-winded way of us showing that. like Because we needed to go through this at some point. Like I said, we're going to get these questions over and over. And I understand it. But I just don't... No, unless it's... Look, Kevin Looney, Wendell Carter Jr. are your two and Aaron Baines just from the fact that he's Aaron Baines. They're your three most likely candidates that have benefit the team, the Boston Celtics team. They're also three candidates that would be very difficult to prize away from their respective teams. Realistically, a trade at the moment isn't necessary because as Brendan and myself have alluded to there's no one really out there that's going to improve us without weakening a different area of the team right and um, you know the assets have shown to have some value to them you could get a Grant Williams late in the first round you can get a Carson Edwards later I mean these these draft picks have some value to them that you can get a 2027 all-star in Tremont Waters <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think that those three guys are kind of the ones that we've tuned into that you pointed out, you know, Baines, Carter Jr. and Looney, just to mention them again, those are the ones I guess I would keep an eye on with, yeah, Looney because of the switchability, Carter Jr. being a long-term fit, and Aaron Baines really being the win-now move. Um, but Carter Jr., you're giving up the Memphis pick more than likely. Um, yeah, I think I'm okay with that. I think I am too, because if you know what you're, you know what you're getting, pretty much. Yeah, and you and uh, again, and we're gonna have we're gonna have Max Carlin on at some point to break down what the upcoming draft looks like uh, to get a better idea of how that pick might be valued, being like likely the you know it would be probably the seventh eighth pick if it were to convey this year. Yeah, and again, just. Just to reiterate, you'd be giving away a cost-controlled asset to get a cost-controlled asset back. Definitely going to have Max Carlin on. We're going to have a few of the Celtics blood guys on, past and present. We're going to have some guys that cover other teams on as well. We're going to keep diving into this bit by bit, chipping away at it as we get closer and closer towards the trade deadline. But for now, yeah, it's Wendell Carter, Kevin Looney, Aaron Baines, or nothing at all. Thank you very much. Pretty much. And, uh, you know, I just did a quick tankathon sim and just saying the Memphis pick fell to seven. Right now they're this, they're tied for the fifth worst, putting them at, at six. It's protected one to six this year. It's interesting because I don't know if you want it to convey this year or next because next year, if it doesn't convey this year, Memphis is getting a top, top six player, right? John Morant gets another year under his belt. Same with Jaron Jackson Jr., who are two very good players in their own right. And Memphis has max money in free agency. Like I really think that Memphis adding another nice young player in the top six, if they were to keep their pick, 
and potentially signing, you know, uh, Brandon Ingram, something like that could be really interesting for their roster. And then all of a sudden the unprotected pick is not as nice as a seven, eight, but it's looking more between that 11 to 14 range where they could even be fighting with contending for that eight seed in the West. I know it's a little optimistic, but I think there is a chance that next year Memphis isn't quite as bad as we think. That's a very good point, and it's also a very, very reasonable one. John Morant has balled out to start the year, and like you say, a guy like Brandon Ingram is going to be on the market. They could even make a run at, if he decided to opt out, would be Gordon Hayward. Right. There's, uh, yeah, there's I some... don't see it happening. I'm just saying it's a possibility. Agreed. I, I think that Gordon will keep that money. I Man. It depends. He might opt out and then, you know, restructure with the Celtics. They've got his bird rights. They can just go back and they don't need the cap space to re-sign him. Um, but yeah, I think you've got a good point. Maybe this is the year that that picks at its highest value. But we're not going to know that until after free agency plays out. Right. And a lot of the restricted free agents did get picked up, but there's still like a Bogdan Bogdanovich out there. Um, some interesting guys could be on the market and Memphis being one of the few teams that has max money along with Atlanta, the Knicks, the Cavs, Charlotte, not quite being there. They could, they could not be as bad as we think, but yeah. Is there anything else you have? I want to thank everybody for getting involved. That was cool. Definitely. We plan on doing these more in the future, and we got a different segment that we'll be introducing uh, next episode, I believe, as well. So stay tuned for that one. And then next week, we've got a surprise guest coming on. We're not going to tell you who, because if you can't make it at some point, we're going to sound stupid. And then I'm really looking forward to the, the new segment that's starting. Me too. Me too. We got a witty little name going on and there's a big game on the day that you're going to be hearing this against the Miami Heat, a very similar team to Boston in regards to how they performed this year. Both of them having pretty weak schedules, so it should be pretty telling for both of these teams. Definitely looking forward to tuning into that one and covering it right on the show. Right. They've got Tyler Harrow, Kendrick Nunn. I like, um, well, they've got Jimmy Butler. I mean, we knew that already. Yeah, passing on Hero hurts a little bit, not going to lie. Yeah, I'm, I mean, Bam Adebayo is good. He's a beast. Oh, I love the guy. Oh, my God. If we could have that as the center, oh, that's the dream. <laughs> Chris Silva, they're a good young team. It's quite strange. To, they've got Justice Winslow. I always forget Justice Winslow's only 23. They've got our boy Kelly Olynyk. I like watching Kelly Olynyk play. Oh, yeah. Everybody watch their shoulders. Yeah, you're going to get some <laughs> left, right, and side. Man, I hated that. I hated that. When people would talk so much crap on Kelly, say he was a dirty player. I thought it was the funniest thing. I was like, you're telling me Kelly Olynyk is a dirty player. The dude looks like he's happy all the time. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And uh, that love affair he had with um, Phil Pressey will forever be a son. Oh, God. Wow, Phil Pressey, yeah. That's that's who Tremont's taking over for. Yeah, I mean, Phil Press is out in Europe doing his thing, but that love affair between Kelly Olynyk and Phil Press. Oh, and shoot, who's the... um? Oh, man, who is the guy that just set a EuroLeague record for points in a game? 
Oh my god, he was just on the Celtics a couple of years ago as a point guard. Oh, what's his name? Oh no, this is gonna. Oh no, I have to find it. Oh my god, huh? Is it Larkin? Yes, Shane Larkin. Oh my god, he just dropped like forty plus in Euro League, I believe it was some some Euro League record. While wow, we're going through all these ex NBA ex uh, Celtics guards right now, I love it. I mean, it's fun, dude. We're definitely going to do a segment like a Where Are They Now. For sure. I am looking forward to it. This is your life, ex-player style. Yeah, he scored 49. It is oh, a yeah. sing- it's a single-game record for the Turkish League. Yeah, well, it's the Turkish League. What do you want? Hey, come on. Respect Shane Larkin. Yeah, but it's not like they're playing out in, um, in Spain. It's true. It's not, it's not like the top league. But it's Shane Larkin, man. Come on. That's why Phil Pressy plays as well in, in Turkey. Really? Yeah. Or <laughs> well, he did last year. I don't know where he's at this year. There we go. But yeah, yeah that's all I got for this one, man. Because we've just been talking now. We'll be back. When we're back, you'll enjoy it, hopefully. Goodbye. Brendan, say bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>